All right, let's open our Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 11. We share a message entitled, Finding Time in Your Life. Uh, 2019's gone, so you can't find any time there, amen? Uh, but we have a whole new year in front of us, and so we need to be uh, uh, discerning about how we can use our life in a timely manner for the glory of God. And Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 says, And to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plan, a time to pluck up that which is planted, time to kill, a time to heal, time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, and a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit, profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I've seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he has set the worlds in their heart, so that the no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together. Uh, Lord, it's an amazing thing that uh, you've given us a a great uh, year in 2019, Lord, and you've brought us into this new year with great hopes and expectations of what God is going to do in our life. I pray that we might redeem the time because the days are evil. And uh, so, Lord, I pray that your grace may be extended to us. Your spirit will be our teacher tonight. And Lord, we'll be willing to really evaluate where we are and what we can accomplish uh, for the glory of God. And so speak to us in a special way. We're always mindful, Lord, that there might be someone here that's not saved. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd touch their heart, that they might come and receive Christ as their Savior. Uh, now is the day of salvation. And so, Lord, I pray that they would come and believe to the saving of their soul. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heavens. And so finding time in your life, I appreciate you'd be praying for me for this week. Um, the Lord's laid on my heart to preach a message this next Sunday on uh, biblical prophecy concerning Iran and that whole region and what's going on. I'm very alarmed at the responses uh, that we've seen from uh, um, uh, the Hollywood crowd, the political crowds, in, in reference to what is actually going on. Um, they've lost complete sight of reality of what, who Iran is and what Iran does, and certainly they are ignorant of the fact of Iran's uh, role in uh, Bible prophecy, and uh, certainly uh, Iraq and all that whole region. So I'm working on it, start doing some research to put some things together to preach on Bible prophecy this Sunday. I'm never comfortable in doing that, so you pray for me, and I think the Lord will help me uh, to be able to give a clear presentation of what is going on. We are in the last days. 
And uh, it is high time for us to find time for God. And uh, because if there's one thing that is necessary, I, I really believe all this that's going on, uh, God is allowing it to take place to wake up the Christian. And a Christian needs to get on fire for God. They need to be faithful to God. I have watched uh, uh, commitment, or I should say the lack of commitment, of attendance and commitment to ministry in this church. I've been watching it go down and go down. And it's not just this church. I've talked to other pastors, and they're experiencing the same thing. I was talking to another pastor a while ago. Now, this was probably about four or five months ago. And it's a large church, and they said, well, uh, brother, he said this. He said, well, I just want you to know, we lost 200 people out of our church. And I thought, oh, my goodness gracious. And he said, just people are just not focused and committed to the Lord. They want to be involved in things. And I'm telling you, God's going to shake some things up. And uh, you think it's bad right now. Wait till you see what it's going to be. And so it's high time for us to find time in our life for the Lord Jesus Christ and stop worrying about all the entertainment and all the recreation and everything else. We have a life that we can live and enjoy, but we're to live our life for the glory of God. When I was in Bible college, Dr. Marine, one of the pastors in the local area there, used to teach in the Bible college. And uh, he always used to say this, when today is over, it's gone. He says, uh, he said this, you cannot regain one second, one minute, one hour, one day, one month, one year, so give your all to God today. And uh, we act like we can regain time that has been lost. And you can't. You can't regain time that has been lost. And so we ought to be concerned about time. All of us are always concerned about time, and usually in, realm, in the realm of how does it affect us and uh, how the, can we enjoy that. I read this illustration. An elderly lady fell and broke her hip, and she asked her doctor, how long will I be in the hospital? The doctor responded, just one day at a time. And <laughs> we always want things in defined categories. How long? Three days? Five days? No, just one day at a time. And oftentimes we want to know, when Jesus is going to come again? Well, listen, we're just to live our life one day at a time, uh, waiting for the coming of the Lord. And so we're not to get complacent. We're not to become disconnected with what God wants to do in our life, but to realize that God has established time for a season and for a purpose in every one of our lives. I read this quote, it says, when you kill time, remember there's no resurrection. Once time's dead, that's it, it's over, it's gone. And uh, time goes by so quickly. I, was, uh, I had to go to my, my aunt passed away over the holiday uh, week, it was a, a day after Christmas, and so I had to go down to her funeral all, uh, on Thursday, and uh, my cousin is the funeral director down there in Salem, so everybody's always connected with everybody. But that was funny. I met my brother there, and we were talking to my brother, <laughs> Ted. And uh, my brother told Ted, he said, well, Ted, you got to realize the older generation in our family, they're all gone because there's nobody left. It's, now it's us. And he said, <laughs> he told Ted, he said, you know, you're not going to be making any money for a while until we start checking out. And he says, so he says, so don't expect me making money very soon. And uh, time slipped by. My aunt, who died, she was 95 years old. She was married to my uncle uh, for 74 years. And so, but time's gone. 
Their life is over. There's not anything else that they can do. And so time keeps marching on. They say this, the average 27-year-old man examining a man's life, an average 27-year-old man has spent 24 years sleeping. <laughs> well, that's exciting. He has spent 14 years working. It's amazing that he sleeps more than he works, amen. He has spent eight years in amusement. I think nowadays it would probably have to be increased. Uh, six years at the dinner table. I'm okay with that. Five years in transportation. Four years in conversation. Three years in education. And two years studying and reading. And has spent five months in church or prayer. Wow. They say the person who is a churchgoer, who's considered a churchgoer, a goer, and a 27-year-old has spent one year and nine months in church. Uh, time. How are you using your time? How are you managing your time? You only have 24 hours in the day, just like I have 24 hours in the day. You only have seven days in a week. You only have 365 days in a year. How are you managing your time? And if we were to sit down and do an assessment and evaluation of your life and your time that you spend in all these different categories, how, how many hours would it add up? I'll tell you, hours add up real fast, real fast. And time, it seems like, as always, we need more of it. I don't know about you. I always feel like I need to have more time. There's not enough time in the day to get everything done. Time for family, time for church, uh, time for recreation and relaxation, time for jobs and work and trying to get it all done, how well are you managing your time? Uh, in Ecclesiastes, where we read, it reminds us that we need to be diligent in scheduling and planning and managing the time that God has given us, finding time in our life. Here's a few thoughts. Uh, verse 1, now realize this, that everything has a time. That's what it says, to everything there is a season and a time. And so everything has a time. There is a time allotted for every experience that you're going to have in your life. And uh, you can either manage it well and be successful in it, or you can ignore that opportunity and fail in that time. But realize this, every person, every situation has time that is directed to it. So everything has a time. Uh, so first of all, I'd think of this, don't get ahead of God. If God has so established your life to be managed in the time that he has given you, I think myself, I'm 67 years old, and uh, I'll be turning 68 in May, I can't believe that. But I look at my life and I was like, how much have I done, and uh, how well have I done in managing the 67 years that God has given me? And I'll tell you, I see a whole lot of gaps. I see a whole lot of failures. I see a whole lot of ne neglect in my life. And I'm saying, Lord, help me to do well in managing the time that you've allotted to me. And so I don't want to get ahead of God. And uh, that means there's time in God's calling. God has time in his calling. In Acts chapter 13, in verse 2, we read about Paul and Silas being called. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein I have called them. 
And when they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. And so timing in God's calling. It's just interesting that the Apostle Paul uh, got saved in Acts chapter 9, but you don't see him going on the mission field and planting churches and starting churches until Acts chapter 13. And I think that's significant to understand this matter of time that God has a time and a plan for each one of our lives and we need to work within the realm of God's timing. And so don't get ahead of God. And uh, there, there is a, a necessity for us <clears throat> to allow God to prepare us and equip us for what he wants to do and accomplish. So realize that God always has a time schedule in his calling in our life. No matter what age you are, uh, God has a scheduled time for fulfilling his calling in your life. So don't get ahead of God's calling. But I also thought of this with time in God's leading. In Acts chapter 16, we continue to read through the book of Acts. We read about the Apostle Paul on his missionary journeys and going from city to city. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, it says, Now when they had gone through throughout Phygeria and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And that's an amazing verse. I've always stood in amazement at that verse because, wait a minute, God's not willing that any should perish, but God is preventing Paul from preaching. That's what it says. Uh, they, couldn't, they could not go any farther because of the fact that the Holy Ghost had forbidden them to preach in Asia. And here's why. It says in verse 7, it says, And after they were come to Mycenae, they assailed to go in Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not, and they passed by Mycenae, came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over in the Macedonia and help us. And then it says, And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. You know, God is not willing that any should perish, but God always has a plan and a time in directing our lives. And so realize the timing of God's call. Don't get ahead of that. And realize the timing in God's leading. Uh, don't run ahead of where God wants you to go. Paul was just simply traveling as the Lord would direct him. And when God told him to stop, Paul stopped. When God told him to go a different direction, he said, well, no, I want to go over here. No, God said, come over this direction. And when he followed the leading of God, he found out that the Lord wanted him to preach there and there were multitudes that were saved. I just know this, that we can accomplish more with the time that God gives us if we just let God manage our life and we commit ourselves to his leading in our lives. So don't get ahead of God. God has, I remember when I was in Bible college, there were several fellows that uh, got in their head. They weren't going to finish up their four-year degree. And they had their head, well, I got to go out and preach. God called me to preach. And bless God, I got to go do this and that. And they just left college. They were counseled. They were advised, don't do that. You need to finish the course. And sometimes in the process of finishing the course, we get bored with the process, and we think we can launch out on our own. And listen, I, I rem, I, I can, I'm thinking of two guys that did that and left Bible college early because they felt they knew more than everybody else, and they went out and they failed. 
H, both of those fellows left college early, went out supposedly started church, and ended up falling into adultery. Now, I, I just know this. Wait a minute. How much could they have accomplished if they were willing just to stay the course and let God lead them and be satisfied with God's timing in their life? God has a time for every one of us, so everything has a time. Don't get ahead of God. But also, not only don't get ahead of God, but think of this, don't do things on your own time. I thought about Abraham and Sarah back in Genesis chapter 16. We know that God had promised Abraham and Sarah that he would give them a child and that he would bless them. But now, you know, Abraham and Sarah are getting up in years, they're getting elderly, and they have not had a child. So what did they do in Acts, I mean, Genesis 16? In verse 1, now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. Now, wait a minute. God promised he was going to give him children. God promised he would make him a mighty nation. But Sarai, here she is. She's had no children. And uh, she had a handmaid. I, 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 verse 1, I thought of this when I was reading this verse and rereading through it. I ought, ought to preach a message entitled, She Had a Handmaid. We, t we, we take things that we have possession of and use them in a way that God has not commanded us to do. And so God uh, uh, told, promised them he would, they would have a child. She had no children. She had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And verse 2, Sarai said unto Abraham, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing, I pray thee, go into the, unto my maid, it may be uh, made. It may be that uh, I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened unto the wife. I'm sorry, unto the voice of his of Sarai. And Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian. After Abraham, I'm sorry. After Abraham had uh, dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abraham to be his wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when he she saw that the Lord had, um, can she, I'm sorry, when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Now, the very thing of a blessing that Sarai was looking to experience became a curse, and because of the fact she violated biblical principles in uh, bringing our, her handmaid and giving to Abraham. May I say this, when, don't do things in your timing, because when you do things in your timing, uh, you will violate scripture just for the distinct purpose of accomplishing what you think you ought to accomplish in the time that you think you ought to do it. And Abraham and Sarah experienced a very negative thing, and we know Ishmael and Isaac we're at odds with one another continually. The conflict in the Middle East right now is Ishmael and Isaac. The whole thing breaks all the way down just to that relationship just because Sarai was not willing to wait on God's timing and she took matters into her own hands. Now, Christians, the worst thing you can do is to take things into your own hands. God is able to do what he's claimed he wants to do in your life. And so Abraham and Sarah got ahead of God's leading and did things in their own time. I thought about Moses 
in uh, Exodus chapter 2, in verse 12, it tells us this, And he looked and this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said unto him that did wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killedest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Now listen, God was going to bring deliverance to Israel in his timing, in his way. And Moses, as he saw this abuse by this Egyptian, thought he needed to take matters into his own hands and took his life. And uh, at what, did it happen? what was the outcome? He lost his testimony. He lost his integrity with his own brethren. And so when I think that everything has a time, as we go into this new year, I need to be reminded that I cannot get ahead of God and I cannot do things in my own timing. I got to let God bring it to pass. And I'm going to tell you, when God brings it to pass, it's easy, it's exciting, it's powerful, and it's successful. And so we walk in the principles that are in the scripture, believing that God, in everything, there's a season and a time. Everything has a time. And God has a time for you. But not only that, but everything has a time and everything has a season. It's interesting that he uses these two different terminologies. We certainly know what time is. It's recorded uh, oh, uh, uh, segments of uh, the day or the week or the years, but a season is a specific time period within that year. And uh, oftentimes people say, well, I like living up in uh, well, the Northeast because I like the change of the seasons. I'm just, a, I would be comfortable with all heat all the time, amen? And uh, uh, snow's beautiful, but you know, what you can do is just turn on the television or the internet and look where it's snowing somewhere and be happy in the Lord and not have to shovel anything. But anyway, everything has a time, everything has a season. And here's the reason, uh, first of all, seasons change. Thus, things change with time. And we often don't want to acknowledge that. The season, you know, the spring is not summer. The winter is not fall. The seasons change. And as they change, that means as time marches by, things are going to change in your life. Now, I, you know, my mom, I always used to get tickled with my mom. She hated change. I mean, if anything changed, she was a basket case. I remember, oh, uh, I don't know, I was probably around 40 or 45 years old. It must have been, I think it was back when, about the time I came up here. My mom was upset about something. And, and I said, I finally, I told her, I said, Mom, you have to recognize all your kids are adults. Uh, they're not little children. She said, I know, but I, I wanted to be the way it was when you're growing up. Everybody was on the farm and you were little kids. I said, Mom, time changes. We're not a little kid anymore. We're an adult. I can make decisions for myself. And, uh, and it just, she hated change. But we do that too. We live in the realm that we hate change. We forget that seasons change. So that means there are going to be changes in time in your life. Children always want to be teenagers. And then they reach that age and uh, they gain frustration because of peer pressure. It's just always interesting how uh, kids respond. Teenagers want to be adults, 
Then all of a sudden they have reached that age of being an adult. And in our era, in the days in which we live, they won't leave home. But anyway, teenagers want to be adults, but they don't want to leave home. And, uh, but they reach that age of being an adult, and then all of a sudden now they get discouraged, they get depressed because of financial responsibilities, because of family responsibilities, because of job responsibilities. Uh, hey, that's the way it goes, man. You get to become an adult, now you get a job and you work, and that's all you do. And, uh, and they get all discouraged. What, what, what is the problem is... They're not dealing with the reality that seasons change, so that means there's going to be changes in time. Um, I thought about adults. Adults want to retire. They reach that age, and disillusion sets in because of the inability physically to do what they used to do before. My brother retired. I was talking with him. We went out to eat down in the crab trap on New Year's Day. And uh, I was talking to him, and he was like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going crazy. I'm retired. i got to start doing something. He's actually looking to become a pastor of a church. And uh, he, he said, I just can't sit around. I, he said, I've done everything there is. He said, I painted the whole house. I did all this stuff. He said, I can't do anymore. All we think is, I need to retire. I need to retire. We need to, and then we retire, and we forget, wait a minute, you're not 20 years old anymore. And uh, we forget that, wait a minute, you don't have the abilities that you used to have. You might not have the financial ability that you had before when you were working. Seasons change. That means there's always changes in time. How are you dealing with the changes in time? I thought of this, uh, each of us must accept change in our life. I remember I was down in Dividing Creek and we had a youth group down there and and the seventh and eighth graders always wanted to be up and involved with, uh, uh, with, uh, with the senior high for youth group night and everything. And I told them, I said, no, I, I gave in once. And I uh, said, okay, you can be a part of the youth group. We, now, we allow seventh and eighth graders to be a part of the senior high youth group with major events, but not on a regular basis. And I found this. I learned a lesson by giving in to them. What happened is they started at 7th and 8th grade going and being part of the senior high youth group. And by the time they got to 11th grade, they were bored with what was going on in the senior high youth group. And they dropped out of it completely and they got out of church. And they got out into the world. Why? Because we weren't working, they weren't living, they weren't ministering, they weren't serving in the realm of their age. In the realm of the season of their life. And we, we like to argue with God and argue with others when it comes to the point of dealing with seasons in our life because seasons are always changing. You're changing. I'm changing. And so we need to look into God and, and trust that God has something he wants to reveal to us and how we live our life out. Warren Worsby said this. He said he asked an old man once, an older man, he said, what did people talk about in the good old days? The old guy chuckled and replied, well, we talked about the good old days. <laughs> we always think some other generation had it better than what we had it. I remember reading a quote, nostalgia is not always honest. And we, we have a tendency to put a twist on, a spin on our past and the good old days that's not exactly honest. And it's because of the fact we don't want to acknowledge the season of life we're in. And the season of lives and our lives change 
as we go, go, go through life. So seasons change, so things, uh, things change in time. Then I thought of this, seasons enhance each other. Just because we change through seasons of life doesn't mean we are less valuable, doesn't mean we're not, uh, that we're less usable, it just means that you're changing in life. So you have to determine, okay, what is, it, what, what is it that God wants me to do at this stage in my life, this season of my life? And uh, here, I found this. It sounded pretty good. I thought I'd put it on there. Spring's germination brings the summer fruit. If we didn't have the spring's germination, you wouldn't have the summer fruit. The summer's fruit brings in the fall's harvest. And the fall's harvest makes way for the winter's rest. And the winter's rest prepares for the spring's germination. See, every season complements the other. And every season depends on the other. And so realize this, that in your life, whatever season in, is in your life, you may be changing and circumstances may be changing in your life, but that does not mean that God cannot use you and God doesn't look at your life as something valuable in his hand. We just need to find time. What time? Well, wait a minute. Everything has time and everything has a season. So what is the season in my life and how can I live it out for the Lord? And then it says in our text, everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. So not only is there always a time, everything has a time and everything has a season, but everything has a purpose. Whatever is going on in your life, God has allowed it to come into your life for a reason. And I thought about this. God is in control. Things don't happen by chance. And for the Christian, we don't live a life of chance. We live a life in dependence upon the fact that God is in control of everything. He has a purpose in our life. Uh, I would never have dreamed, uh, never dreamed in all of my life of even considering coming to be the pastor of this church. But when this church was looking for a pastor, there were some circumstances down in Dividing Creek I was de dealing with that just... it. God just laid it on my heart, you know, hey, you need to be open. I might have something else for you. And because of that, because of those things that were going on, if they weren't going on in the church, I would have never considered coming to this church. So I had to understand that what was going on at that time in my life personally and what was going on at that time in the church ministry down there was a purpose that God designed to cause me to be unsettled in my heart so I'd be open to what God may lead to do in my life. Amen. And boy, what a blessing it's been to be able to be here for these 24 years, realizing this, that everything that goes on in the Christian life is under the control of God. Uh, all things work together for good to them that love God, which are called according to his purpose. And so we live in the realm of God's control. Everything has a purpose. But God is also molding us. For whom the Lord did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. 
If God has a purpose for everything in our life, then I live in the realm of the confidence that God is in control of all things and what he is allowing to take place in my life is for the purpose of molding me into the image of his son. If I go through a trial, I go through a difficulty in my life and I come out on the other side not more like Christ, I've missed, I missed it. I missed the purpose of the trial or difficulty that God brought in my life. And the amazing thing is, so many Christians go through life completely ignorant of the reality of what God's trying to do to help them to become Christ-like. And we just live in the realm of our own purposes and our own desires. So everything has a purpose. The purpose is to reveal that God is in control and God molds us. And God knows what you are facing. God knows what it is that you're going through. What you're going through is unique to what I'm going through. But it's not unique to the reality of the commonality of what Christians go through in life as Christians. I remember years ago, a lady going through a real major problem uh, with the birth of her ch child, twins that she had. And I was trying to be an encouragement to her and all this, that, and the other. And she, was, she finally, she just told me, she said, Preacher, you need to understand, you don't know how I feel because you haven't gone through what I'm going through. I said, you're absolutely right. I said, but God has allowed you to go through this for a purpose. And you're not trying to find the purpose. You're just getting angry at everybody. And you're getting upset with the circumstances and the situations, and you're going to miss the reality of what God wants to do to mold you into his image. It's so easy for us to be dissatisfied with the purpose of God in our life. And we'll walk away and never become Christ-like. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, in uh, verse 8, uh, Paul says this, For therefore, uh, I say therefore to the unmarried and to widows, it is good for them to, be, uh, to abide even as I. You know, oftentimes people who are single want to be married. People that are married want to be single. <laughs> and no... Uh, I was sitting next to Kenny Bylock at uh, Anthony's uh, wedding ceremony uh, yesterday. And, uh, of course, Anthony and Haley, they're all excited. Man, I'll tell you, what a thrill. So I leaned over to Kenny. I said, wait till after 42 years. Amen. <laughs> he started cracking up laughing. But though uh, God knows where you are. And Paul says, well, wait a minute. If you're single, you're unmarried, then realize that God can work in your life. It's okay. Paul was apparently a single guy. Uh, in verse 30, what is it, verse 32, he goes on through this chapter and kind of deals with this concept. Oh, uh, but I would have you without care, carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Paul builds this whole case in this chapter of how those that were dissatisfied with the purpose in their life because they were unmarried, Paul says, well, wait a minute, realize the time, the commitment, the involvement of living your life completely dedicated to the Lord. And then in uh, verse 34, he says, there is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares for the things of the Lord that she may be holy both in body and in spirit, but she that is married cares for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. So what is Paul doing in that chapter? He's just trying to help uh, the believers in Corinth to realize and understand 
Whatever stage in life they were, God knows where they are and what they're facing, and they can be satisfied in Christ because he has a purpose. Whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we're widowed or widower, uh, whether we're young or whether we're old, God has a purpose for every one of us. Loneliness, he knows you're alone. And uh, I remember years ago, my brother went through a situation where his wife just left him and everything and just told me, he said, Michael, he, he was dating this girl at that time who was unsaved. And uh, he, he told her, he said, you know what? You don't want to go to church. You don't want to get saved. He said, I can't date you. And uh, that, the, that girl, he said this, Michael, he, in the middle of the night, she comes to my house banging on the door trying to get in. And he said this, he said, I told her I can't. I can't let you in here. You don't love God. You don't want anything to do with God. I can't have anything to do with you. And he told me, I'll never forget, I was in Bible college and I came home. And he told me, I remember him sitting there in tears. And he told me, he said, Michael, I'm so alone. So I'm so lonely. And I told him, I said, Greg, God knows where you are. God knows what you're feeling. God knows what you're going through. And I said, God can take care of your loneliness. Well, I'm going to tell you something. God gave him a wife that I don't know of any two people that love each other more. I mean, she loves him. She cares for him. He loves her. He cares for her. I mean, they have a life that is unbelievable. Why? Because he was willing to understand at that moment in loneliness that God had a plan and God had a purpose for his life. And he was willing to wait on God. Now, folks, God has a purpose in everything for us. Frustration in life, peer pressure. You know, kids, teenagers get all beside themselves because of peer pressure. Well, teens, uh, let me tell you, when you get older, uh, the peer pressure doesn't let up. It's still there. Depression, disillusion, physical inabilities, you name it. We can go through the gamut of the list. God has a purpose in those things to be able to be glorified in your life. 2 Timothy 4.17, Paul says, Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Paul just is saying this, no matter what went on, no matter what was going on in my life at that time or that season, God had a plan and God had a purpose and God did not abandon me. And I don't know where you're at tonight or what you're dealing with tonight, but I know this, that God is with you. He knows how you feel. He knows the heartache of your soul. He understands the disappointments in your life. And he is aware of what he can do in your life at this season and at this time. So find time for God. And then I thought about this. If you're talking about finding time, then Romans 13, 11, we need to just identify what time is it? What time is it? Uh, you say, what time is it? It's uh, well, 6.59, amen? So I better get done pretty quick. <laughs> but in Acts chapter, I mean, Romans chapter 13 and verse 11, Paul says, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we, when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. What time is it? Well, it's time to know the time. 
simple. Where are you physically? What's your age? I'm not going to ask you what, you don't have to publicize it. Amen. Some of you say, I ain't telling you how old I am. Well, how old are you? Are you preteen, teenager, millennial, X generation, whatever it may be, baby boomer, whatever. How old are you? You have to identify the time in your life. Because if you're not willing to identify what time it is in your life, you're not going to have spiritual discernment to be aware of the purpose in your life. What time? Where, is your, where are you physically? Where are you spiritually? I mean, be honest with yourself. Where are you spiritually? How, do you, how are you making out with your devotions? How are you making out memorizing scripture? We started a new year. Have you started a new scripture memory opportunity? Have you started reading through your, the word of God? It's a great time to start. Make a decision. Hey, this is a new year. I'm going to start right now to read through my Bible in 2020. How are you doing spiritually? See, if you want to acknowledge that and be honest about that, you'll never plug into God's timing in your life right now. Uh, where are you in God's time frame? What is it that God wants you to do? What is the time frame of God? You know, it's just, it's always interesting to me. I've always, I mean, ever since I've been saved, 35 years of being in ministry, I have always tried to discern, I always pray, God, what is it at this time that you want me to do? I want to, I want to be aware of God's time frame. So it's time to know the time. If I don't know what time it is, I'm not going to get up. If I'm not going to know what time it is, I'm not going to get the job done. If I'm not going to know what time it is, I'm not going to try to be able to stir my conscious uh, uh, soul and spiritually about the things of God. I've got I to gotta be honest. What time is it in my life? It's, it's time for me to repent. It's time for me to be humble. It's time for me to pursue God. It's time for me to, to cast my burdens on. What time is it in your life? So time to know the time. It's time to wake up. Realizing this, God can work in you. Don't, don't, don't look at others and say, well, God can use so-and-so, but he can't work in my life. Yes, he can. He can work in your life. God wants to work in your life. He really does. It's an amazing thing that the creator of heaven and earth wants to work in my life. He wants to work in your life. God will work in you. <laughs> If God can work and God wants to work, that means he will work. I want God to do a work in my heart. And then I thought of this. We must be aware of his working in our life. If you're not aware of the working of God in your life, he that has begun a good work in you shall perform it, perform it until the day of Christ. So I thought time to know time. It's time to wake up. It's the time of salvation. The security of the believer. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 tells us to work out our own salvation. Now, I know that verse does not teach that we are supposed to work, have work salvation, but we are supposed to live out the Christian life that we have. We are secure in Christ. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So live out, work out that salvation. In Ephesians 6 and 13, it says, that having done all to stand, stand. 
And so the security of the believer is that we can be solid in our faith in Christ. And then I thought uh, time of salvation is salvation of the lost. And uh, certainly God is not willing that any should perish. Hebrews 2, 3, 3 says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, for he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. In the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the acceptable, accepted type. Behold, now is the day of salvation. There is somebody, there is somebody that needs to be saved that you can connect with them and be involved in their life and be able to lead them to Christ. Yeah, you don't know when that's going to be. Don't give up on anybody. I was at the wedding uh, yesterday. I was talking to a couple ladies in, uh, in the uh, church, and uh, uh, they were asking me about salvation and everything. And, and I told them, I said, you know, my mom prayed for 28 years for my dad to be saved. And I'm thankful. I am thankful. I told them this. I said, I'm thankful she never gave up. And because there is a time and season, there is a time for someone to be saved. There is the day of salvation that comes in people's lives. If you're not here to, tonight and you're not sure you're saved, today's the day of salvation for you. But your family, your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers, there's a time for salvation for them. You cannot give up on them. You need to be connected with the reality of the time of salvation. Why? Because to everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. So we don't want to miss out on one thing in 2020. God has given us a new year, great opportunities, possibilities of what God can do. We need to believe, what was that? where's Laura? Laura led the lady to the Lord today at the nursing home. Uh, the day of salvation, amen. And... If, if you don't talk to them, if you don't look at your life being in the hand of God and God has a purpose for you to connect with others so that he, they might know who Christ is, you'll never experience that. You'll never experience it. So take time, find time in your life to be able to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Finding time. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time together tonight. Uh, I, I have prayed, Lord, I didn't want to waste anyone's time tonight. Uh, Lord, I know that you have a perfect timing in each of our lives. You have perfect seasons and perfect purposes. And we want to accomplish those things, Lord, as you redeem us from all of our sin. We want to redeem the time that you have given us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us a resolve in our hearts uh, to live and to surrender and uh, to, to be a testimony of all the things that God is to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's